Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Grote and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. And welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast episode. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And we're going to talk to somebody today that's, that really has a unique background. You're going to enjoy this, I think. This is Brenda LeBaron. Some of you will recognize the last name LeBaron. There are a number of LeBarons in Mexico in a fundamentalist Mormon group. Of course, each individual that God placed on this earth has their own story. Brenda has found her way to Jesus over the last few years, and I'm really excited to ask her about this. I've actually known Brenda now for a few years, but haven't really. I don't know all of the details of your background, so we're excited to hear it. Welcome, Brenda. Hi, Lynn and Joel. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. We're glad to have you. Brenda has, if you've ever been to the historic Edgewater in Winter Garden, Florida, Brenda has been working there for how long now, Brenda? Um, Almost three years. But let's go back and tell us about your upbringing, where you were raised, and um, whether your parents had a faith background and what that might have been, and if they taught you those faith backgrounds. I wasn't really raised with the religion. Um, my father was a Mormon, um, from the fundamentalist community in LeBaron, and my mother was a Catholic, um, you know, mainly just because of tradition, and so they both kind of agreed to, like, you just felt God, but, like, let us make our own decision about which religion we wanted to follow, um, so I was taught that there was a God and that I was to pray to him and, you know, be obedient. Um, But, like, that was all I really knew. So I was born in Denver, Colorado, and I grew up there for the first five years of my life. And later we ended up moving to Minnesota. Although I lived in the U.S., um, we always went back to Mexico because that's where my parents were born and raised. So we would go back and forth a lot. I was raised in a very strict household, um, very loving but strict. You know, they had a lot of expectations. Did yes. you have other brothers um, and sisters? So, yes, I have um, three. I have um, a younger brother and a younger sister and a younger half brother. Okay. Interesting. So you were the okay. oldest of the kids. You were the oldest. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think your parents didn't do religion because they disagree? Oh, yes, of course. I mean, you know, my mom didn't agree with some of the Mormon um, principles, and my dad didn't like some of the Catholic things. So 
I don't know how they got together. I guess opposites attract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's native Mexican. Um, yes, so she is Mexican from Chihuahua, okay. Mexico, and so is my father. So they met somehow in Mexico. When he they was actually met up. in Denver through. Um, so my mom's sister, her oldest sister, ended up marrying my dad's uncle. So that's how they met each other. Okay. So did your mom's sister go into polygamy then or no? Um, she actually did. Okay. Yeah. My All grandmother's right. um, brother was a polygamist for a while. So at some point you moved to LeBaron, Mexico? Yes. When I turned 10, we moved there in the summer. So tell me about that. Do you know why your parents decided to do that? Um, so the thing is in LeBaron, even though it's a small community, it is very like family focused. So even when people like move away, um, they usually like always come back and visit or just plan on moving there later in life. So that's what my dad wanted to do, you know, work in the U.S. And um, he has pecan orchards, which is very common for the okay. people that live there. And he wanted to go back to his hometown. <laughs> Wonderful. So and so did he have extended family then still in LeBaron? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Lots and lots of families still in LeBaron. All right. So for him, that was a comfortable place. That was a place where mm -hmm. he was known and he felt known. So did anything happen religion-wise when you moved to LeBaron? Um, so going back just a little bit, my grandma had actually started attending a Christian church. Um, that they had started in LeBaron. Wow. Um, yeah. My aunt Rosa and my uncle Mike, um, they started that, and I believe I was seven about the time. So whenever I would visit my grandma, she would bring me along. So that's how I was first exposed to the gospel. So I've heard Mike and Rosa say that God laid on their hearts to go down into LeBaron and to start a Bible study there, right, in the polygamous mm -hmm. colony. And I'm familiar with them because Lila went to that Bible study at one point and then got saved. So what, what's your relationship <laughs> with Mike and Rosa? Um, so, yes, like I was saying, they are my great aunt and uncle. And um, they're just almost like my grandparents, my adoptive grandparents. <laughs> and um, they were the first ones to share the gospel with me. And I remember, I believe I was eight years old um, when I accepted Christ. I was just so, like, scared all the time. And I wanted the, the free gift that they were talking about. So. They impacted my life for sure, and I know that after I accepted Jesus as an eight-year-old, I, I wanted to please God, but there was still a lot of figuring out what that meant, right? So. Yeah. yeah. So was so your, I was going to say, so was your father a practicing polygamist or not? No. 
Okay, that was um, part of the tenets so, of his fundamentalist background that he'd rejected <laughs> and wasn't a part of. Okay. Yeah, so actually, like, kind of like I mentioned, because my mother and my father believed in such different things, my mom wasn't going to accept polygamy. So that kind of held my dad back from acting on that um, because he didn't want to lose my mom. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, that's uh -huh. good that they that he was committed to her and loved her and obviously wanted to wanted her to stay. So, all right. Mm -hmm. So you talk was about. Go ahead, Lynn. Ever a discussion between them? Um, I'm guessing there may have been maybe some pressure to do that by his own oh, religious yes. leaders. Uh huh. My grandfather. Um, he would constantly pressure my father and. My uncles, you know, that they should live polygamy because, you know, it has to do with salvation and stuff and Mormonism. Um, but for a while, like I said, my father pushed that away. Um, but later on, when my uncle, um, he began practicing polygamy, it's like, I don't know, like all the other brothers kind of started seeing, well, it's working out for him. Like, yeah, I don't know. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, family pressure is very real and mm -hmm. nobody wants to be kind of the oddball, especially if your father, like you say, there's close family ties, then mm -hmm. you've got kind of both. All right, they're doing it. It's working out. So I want to explore something you said a minute ago. You were talking about giving your life to Jesus at age eight. You, you said you had a lot of fear. Is that what, is that what you said? Or you'd Tell me about that. And then what did this free gift of grace seem to free you from? Or um, how did that make the fear dissipate? Tell us about that. Hmm. Yeah, so kind of like I mentioned, after accepting Christ, I wanted to be the best Christian I could be, of course. Especially as an eight-year-old when you don't really know much about life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I wanted to be the best Christian I could be. So, but I still didn't quite understand the grace that came with the gospel. So I thought that if I followed the Ten Commandments and, you know, I did what I was told and I was perfect, that, that I would be worthy enough to be with God, right? And that he would finally love me. But I was still kind of stuck in the mindset of legalism. So. I was still trying to earn that and be enough. Um, so it wasn't until later that I tried and I strived and, you know, stumbled. And I realized that I was never going to reach the standard that I set and that I thought that I had to hit. So, like, there was a lot of fear in that, too. Um, so like, where did the where did the idea come from that you needed to be perfect in order to please God? Where do you think that came from? I would say it came a lot from my relationship with my parents. Um, they were really young when they had me, and of course, with their backgrounds, um, they just wanted me to be a really good kid, right? And yeah. mm -hmm. I always wanted. To please my parents, especially as the eldest, and I always felt that pressure. So it was like, just be good, 
and they'll love you type thing. And if I'm bad, then. And was there a, a lot of that? Um, for So um, was, was the love you got very conditioned on performance? on measuring up, on being good. And so as long as you were doing well, the love was there, the acceptance was there, the approval was there. But when you weren't, then that was all pulled away. Yes, it was, okay. it was like that. And that would be very and common both course, within a Catholic context and within a fundamentalist polygamous context or really a Mormon context of any stripe. Right, that's exactly what I was just going to say. It it makes sense, given what her parents learned growing up, right? And mm -hmm. so they just gave to their children what had been given to them and what they believed. And so you heard about this God of grace <laughs> that loves you unconditionally, and that is such a freedom, isn't it? But you said you didn't quite understand that freedom at first, and then later on you did. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, for starters, like I said, I, I like the idea of having Jesus as my Savior, right? Um, yeah. I accepted Christ, but at the same time, I still remember, like, thinking as a kid and being at Sunday school and stuff and thinking, well, why did Jesus have to die for me? Like, that's something so terrible. Like, I still didn't quite understand, you know, the, yeah. just the weight of my sin and that that's why Jesus had to die for me. Um, like 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for our sake, he made him to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ooh. You know, he had to take my sin and put that on the cross for me to be able to be with God. It wasn't something that I could work for or, you know, do enough to receive. Right. And it would have been wow. very hard as a young child if you're not, because obviously your parents aren't coming from that context, spiritually or religiously. So the only mm -hmm. really influence for grace was probably Mike and Rosa then? Were there yeah. other people around or was it just them? I mean, obviously they were my parents, so they had a lot of influence in me, especially in my younger years. Um, but yes, um, I would say that I did feel that just that grace and that love um, from Mike and Rosa. And when we would have like missionaries come to our church, um, which is where I accepted Christ. It's something they do called Fiesta Agape. Um, and they give the kids like two boxes and they tell them about the gospels. So I saw the love of these people coming to serve the community and just like, just loving me. Like I didn't have to, I didn't have to do anything. Oh, my sweet girl. Yeah. So, and did you say that it was so called Fiesta Agape? Yes. Which is so cool because that's Spanish for love party or love fest um yeah. and that sounds like that's what it was it was uh agape love that was being showered on everybody they were coming into contact with so 
once you gave your life to Jesus, was that okay with your parents? And did that change your relationship at all with your parents and your siblings? Um, yes, it definitely changed. Um, especially after, like I said, I understood um, like what it meant to carry my cross and actually give my life to Christ. Um, but yeah, it changed my relationship with my mom because the night I received Jesus, like she was the first person I told. I remember just telling her, like, Mom, like I felt hopeless and like I didn't know what I was gonna do in my life. And like I just heard the gospel. It's like I heard it for the first time and I understood that I needed Jesus and that he was the one that could give me purpose and hope. Um wow. so I shared that with her and she was just so touched by what I shared that a month later she accepted Christ in her own life and became a wow. born again believer. Oh my goodness, Brenda. That is mm -hmm. so cool. Now, did that also happen with Mike and Rosa at the church? Her conversion? Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. So And what about your sibling? Um, I mean, my brother noticed I was, I was nicer to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he saw that change. Um, and my dad also saw it, but he didn't really know what to think of it. It was just kind of like, oh, like, that's nice. <laughs> it wasn't until yeah. later on when I became more bold in my faith that it was kind of like we were, you know, the friction. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, so how old and, are you when your mother also comes to faith then? So I was 14. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how yeah. did that impact your parents' relationship? Was that okay with your dad? Of course, he had already mm -hmm. married somebody who was not fundamentalist, so. Yes. Um, so I actually really noticed the change in my mother's life. Like, she wasn't as stressed. Um, and she was a lot more patient with everyone, you know, just like that load and that that burden and um, all of that just came right off of her. So I feel like her relationship with my father actually got better for a while. Mm. Um, it wasn't until later on that, um, you know, my dad started talking about stuff that weren't in the um, Bible that, you know, they kind of started having more tension and was some of that conversation related to starting to practice polygamy yeah. yes okay which if your mom has a new heart and has the holy spirit living in her now it's not just going to be a matter of the social it's now there's a whole new moral component where she's mm -hmm. alive in the spirit and she recognizes that this really isn't just another social marriage option this is something that would run counter to uh, the teaching yes. of the word of god wow were your parents able to get beyond that difficult time um of where he wanted to practice polygamy mm -hmm. no they actually um separated in 2017 which is kind of when it happened um 
because he he um cheated on my mother um and was expecting um a child with the other lady so my mom disrespectfully told him like you know i'm fine that you want to live that but like i can't do that as a christian and i can't do that to myself or my kids so you can live that but not with me wow so is she still in lebaron and is your dad still in lebaron they're both there Mm -hmm. so you have this heart for the people of lebaron yes yep so did that lead to their separation then Yes, yes um please. that did lead to their separation um at first my father kept trying to um convince my mother you know to stay with him and stuff but like i said my mother she she thought differently now and um she didn't want that for us or for herself so um it just became really toxic and I remember feeling like um, control. So that's when we decided to move from Mexico and we went to Texas for a while and then to Colorado with my aunt. And it was just really hard, a lot of like fighting and tension and you know being ripped away from my home and what I knew, but through all of it, like God just showed me um that my earthly father like he was going to i mean he's just a a person and he's gonna fail me it doesn't matter how great of a parent they are um so that's when i truly began like relying on my heavenly father more and for him to give me what i needed so give me an example of that talk to me about your relationship with god that developed um so i certainly prayed a lot more sometimes even with tears i mean at first i didn't understand why a lot of things were happening because no one wants to see their parents split up especially in such a right yeah just such a um hard difficult way with so much fighting um but i just relied on him and I remember instead of turning away from God, because at times I was tempted to, instead I just ran towards him Mm. with everything that I was feeling. Like, just God, I'm angry. (laughs) I'm sad. I don't know what to do, but. And how did he show up for you? Because, I mean, that's exactly what he Mm -hmm. wants. That's the father heart of God. So. How did you experience him in those times? Did you feel like he was there? Do you feel like when you called out that way, he met you? Yes. There were times where I did feel like he was silent for a while, but he was always there. I could always feel his presence and just his arms wrapped around me, especially as I walked through the Psalms. Um, Okay. Yeah. That kind of like reading those words was like having truth being poured back into me, you know? Do you have a special section of songs that touched you or? Um, I remember reading Psalm 34 a lot. Um, 
I actually have one of the verses here, but the hope that I had was the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And that's how I felt. Mm. Wow. So, yeah. So did any of your siblings ever um, get interested in Christian faith? Um, my brother did um for a while um i was actually the one to be there with him when he accepted christ um Mm. when he was 14 but later through the um the conflict that my parents were going through my father blamed christianity (laughs) for my mom not being with him so he kind of like just talked negatively about that and my brother kind of you know like he just wanted to believe my dad and be close to him so he also started blaming god for what happened in our family wow and your sisters um my little sister i mean she's she's only 10 but I still remember when she was little, since she would see my mom and me pray, she would um, pray with us before we'd go to sleep and, you know, sing songs to Jesus throughout the house. So I'd like to think that he's, you know, looked at our lives and seen Jesus in us. So how old is she now? She is 10. She's 10 right now. Okay. And yeah. so and where are they living now? Um, they're still in LeBaron. Um, my father um, has custody right now, so that's where they oh, are. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness, girl. Te- okay, so tell me about how, what God has laid on your heart now for this next phase of your life. And then we'll back up and talk about your time um, the last three years. But, but but where are you about to move to now? Um, well, I'm about to move back to LeBaron. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's even shocked me when God put that on my heart. It was like, wait, Lord, are you sure that's you? <laughs> um, right, just because, because of so many things that, you know, I've gone through, it's like, it's something from God that he's continued um, to, to soften my heart for those people and um, being able to forgive them, you know, and love them so much that I just want them to have Jesus, too. Oh, wow. So do you, Rosa and uh, Mike, are still there? hmm Will you be working with them then, or...? Yes, helping, just helping them. out there at yeah. the church. And I really want to get involved with the youth. Um, I know that I'm not the only one that's gone through um, like having difficult relationships with um, with my parents and stuff. Um, there are others that believe in Jesus, and you know their parents aren't believers, so. So they've got a similar situation where they're not getting the spiritual reinforcement or the growth or support at home. Mm -hmm. And you'd like to step in and be someone who can provide that. Yes. And kind of help them. Like I want to, it's just on my heart to be what I needed when I was younger. 
for the people there. Wow, woman. Are you, do you have any intrepidation about someone wanting to marry you into polygamy? <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe that wasn't a fair question. <laughs> well, is it still um, being actively no. practiced, practiced within the community? Oh my, oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I think a lot of Christians are not aware that there are Mormon fundamentalist communities. There are some in Canada, there are some in Mexico, and they're all over the Western U.S. Correct, and, and uh, yes. certainly the LeBaron name is associated with um, one of the colonies in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you don't have a prophet at the moment, right? Typically, a polygamous colony no. has a prophet at the head. So someone once said to me when I came to Christ, if you're in Christ, you have a ministry. And the ministry you have is a, your story you have to tell, what you've experienced, where you've been, what your, what your experiences are with Jesus, right? The heartaches that you've gone through, that kind of thing. And so this is a perfect example of you taking those things that Mormonism might see as negative trials and tribulations in your life and turning them to good for the glory of God. So I have, I will pray for you, dear, and I pray that you'll have great, um, a harvest among the people in LeBaron. Now, one last thing I want to explore is tell us about how you came to live and work at the Edgewater Hotel and then how things have changed in your life over the last three years that you've been there. Yeah, so um, after we moved to the U.S. for a while, um, I remember reaching out to Lila, and she had told me before, oh, Brenda, like, you know, when you turn 18, you should come and visit Florida. I want you to come visit me. And I remember at the time, I was like, well, that's never going to happen. It's too good to be true. <laughs> so um, Lila LeBaron is one of the four members of the Adams Road Ministry. And she is a relative of yours. Go ahead. Yes. And we've interviewed her. We've interviewed her for this podcast also. And so we'll link to Lila's episodes and her experience as well um, in the show notes for this podcast. But yeah. So why was that? Why was that like a dream? It'll never happen. Was it because of your family situation where you were? Tell us a little bit about what made it seem impossible and then how God worked to bring you there. Yeah, so after all of that, um, I just remember just praying and really just wanting to continue to grow. Um, so to continue to grow and just have something where I could just learn how to serve and I can mature in Christ. So I remember that um, I reached out to Lila. And Mike and Rosa did too, and asked her if I could come visit. And okay. at first she was like, yeah, you can come visit, you know, for a week or two. But it was on my heart to come for two months. <laughs> so 
I later kind of talked to her and she said, yeah, you can come for two months, but you'd have to help out. And I thought, well, that's fine. I don't mind working. Like, I'll come and I'll help out for two months. But my passport was expired. And it's a miracle from God that I was even able to get on the plane after they bought me my ticket. Um, And I was not able to leave after two months. (laughs) Oh, Um, once you got into the United States, you weren't able to leave to go back. I was not able to go back on a plane. Like, I could still use my passport, but they were super like, okay, we're letting you get on the plane this one time, but you have to fix your passport. If not, you can't get back on a plane, basically, back home. (laughs) So... Oh, so then your two months turned into how long? Into almost three years now. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But that was not planned at all. It was just something like I was coming for two months and I was going to go back home and God just had other plans because even if I wanted to, I could not go back home. (laughs) So what I mean, so how did God use that then? I mean, it's obvious that he's done an amazing work in your life. So tell us a little bit about how God used that extended time. Yeah, so I was very, um, I was still very hurt from what my father um, had done and just a lot of brokenness that I was dealing with. So just being here and like not having to worry about um, like, the stress with my um, relationships with my family and just being able to focus on kind of healing um, those wounds that I had. And I was in an environment where I was full of Christians and that was something so new um, for me because in LeBaron it was pretty lonely. I mean, the congregation is small and um, there weren't a lot of Christians my age. Um, so I kind of learned to be alone and then I came here and like, they're all Christians and they're, (laughs) they've been walking with the Lord longer than I have. And they're walking alongside of me and they're encouraging me. And it was just something so beautiful to be able to experience what the body of Christ was like. So there was a pouring into you then that was going on at almost a constant constant level oh that is so cool so how did god use that to change your heart because i imagine back in your home situation as the oldest child you were very much being pulled both by your father and your mother to take their side to you know see them as the one who's right to join in with them and i know i I can't imagine the amount of pressure um, and how torn you had to have been was that sort of thing happening? Was that going on then? Oh, yes. That was that was happening. And I just remember, like, I had obviously, I knew my mother and my father, and I knew the truth. So it was kind of more of a, I love you both, but, like, I'm not going to choose sides because I love you both. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something that you two need to work out, and I was blessed to have the opportunity to be able to just kind of step away from that, you know, and focus on my own healing. Right. And growth. Mm -hmm. So, 
you just got your GED. Congratulations. (laughs) Um, How far did you go in school when you were in LeBaron? Um, I believe it was only up to 10th grade. And tell me what's typical in LeBaron, because people will be interested. Yeah, so it's been getting better. Um, People usually finish up to middle school now, um, but there are a lot more high school graduates than there used to be. Um, But there's still a lot of people that don't go to high school and just decide to work on the farm or, you know, do more like manual labor. And is there a reason for that? Education is not valued or the number one value is to live the fundamentalist lifestyle, particularly for women? And Well, it kind of varies depending on like who you're like talking about because there are some that like as a woman you're encouraged to like just learn how to be a homemaker and um, to just get married and have children, you know, because it's a part of God's plan for your life. Like, but just that, because they kind of idolize that. Um, right. And at that, what age, like, at what age would that normally take place for a young, for a young woman? Because you talked about them not finishing high school as part of the reason they don't finish high mm-hmm. school is because they're getting married before there's even opportunity to finish up through 11th 12th grade um yes some of them do get early uh sorry <laughs> some of them do get married early um sometimes at age 16 but usually by age 18 you've already kind of got someone you know so that's why i was kind of like that odd person out um who just wanted to like know who god was calling me to be and not wanting to be unequally yoked, especially with the example that I grew up with my parents' marriage and seeing how it didn't work. So Mm -hmm. as a last kind of thing, I want you to lead, okay, you want to go work with the youth in LeBaron, right? Mm -hmm. And especially those who are are broken, right? And and, and in particular, Particularly, particularly in polygamous families, right? You sometimes have all kinds of brokenness with different mothers, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say to that 14-year-old who's struggling um, about Jesus, about hope, about a better way, about healing? Well, what comes to mind is the verse that... Um, Mike and Rosa kept reminding me of when um, I was going through that difficult time in my life. And it's Romans 8.28, right? Um, All things work for the good of those who um, are in Christ Jesus. So it might be hard, you know, in the moment. And they'll probably want to cry and feel like, like there's nothing you can do and wonder if like you'll come out on the other side but just you know hold on and have faith in God because it's the best place you can be in his hands 
it's where you'll be the safest and he does open doors does he not he does lead you he does give comfort yes and he hears our cries Mm -hmm. yes and he sees you you're not there alone so he's close to the brokenhearted those who are wounded in spirit yes Lila, I don't know, or um, Brent, sorry, I don't know if I ever <laughs> Happens told you. all the time. <laughs> I am sure it probably does. So I don't think I ever told you this, but um, my own mother came from a, a broken home, right? And um, her father committed suicide when she was 11, and she found him. When she went to a foster home at age 12, someone took her to church. And she said there she found the father that she needed and loved, whose love was unconditional. And Mm -hmm. he saved her life, right? And so for anyone, given any kind of difficult circumstances, that is your salvation. That is your healing. He is the place to go. And uh, Brenda has found that. And now she wants to take it to other. Well, I'm very excited for you, Brenda. It's obvious that God has moved powerfully in your heart, and I believe he's going to use you to work in the lives of other people. I would love, Mm -hmm. once you get back, now do you have a date set for your return to Mexico, to the LeBaron community yet? Um, Yes. So my plane flies out on the 10th. so I'll probably month. get there on the 11th or 12th, <laughs> yes. yes, of December, oh. sorry. <laughs> okay, so just a few days from when we're recording this podcast episode. Yes. Yeah, which right. is why I wanted to talk to her before she left. Yeah, well, <laughs> by the time this airs, you will probably be there. And so we encourage our listeners to be praying for you. And I would love, if you're open to it, once you're back and you're settled in, um, to yeah. have us do another if we can manage the connection have another uh, connect with you to find out what god's done what doors he's opened how you're doing would you be open to that in the future yeah that would be great <laughs> that would be awesome girl okay god well Lynn, any other any other questions for for brenda um thank you so much for sharing from your heart i realize it's been difficult uh, it's always hard sometimes to remember and yet at the same time, there's so much hope in, in you. Oh, yes. And so that's, that's an amazing, that's an encouraging thing to see. And I pray God gives you many opportunities to share your, your stories and share your relationship with God, um, with others, because you just exude the spirit of Christ. He's a very uh, kind servant of the Lord. And so God go with you and uh, may you have much fruit in him. Grace and peace. Until next time. So long. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, 
and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.